0: Welcome to another...
1: Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. You hear that, uh, The Leaky Cauldron. And now, Leaky's own Melissa and Ellie.
2: Hello Potter Princes, welcome to Pottercast number 48. We hope you're ready because it's a great one. On this one year anniversary of the publication of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, we have with us a prince among directors. He's known for his chilling style that many of you thought would be perfect for the all-important cave scene that will occur at the end of the sixth film. He's with us to talk about his new film, Lady in the Water, which will hit theaters on July 21st, the demands of modern fantasy, and what he would do with a Harry Potter film if he had one. M. Night Shyamalan is our in-the-know guest this week, and he has a lot of excellent things to say, so make sure you stick around. Meanwhile, we have a lot of celebrating to do. In honor of this anniversary, I'll recount some details from last year's interview with J.K. Rowling, which took place in Edinburgh on the publication day. Our modcast is about Forbi- the Forbidden Forest and its role as a character in the books. Steve from The Lexicon is back for our Canon Conundrum segment, which will talk about what the house elves might do in the final parts of the series. And all in all, it is the best Pottercast 48 we've ever done. So we're going to go right over to Sue for our weekly dose of Sue's news.
3: news again as if a normal boy cares what's on the news
4: hello everyone sue upton here with the latest harry potter news headlines for you and what is perhaps one of the more unique bit of news we have heard in some time leakynews.com can report that jk rowling has received another honor this coming as a new asteroid has been named after our favorite author a professor at the Adler Planetarium in Chicago discovered asteroid number 43844. And being a Harry Potter fan, he submitted Joe's name to the Committee for Consideration, which approved asteroid rolling earlier this year. Congratulations, Joe. That's out of sight. Turning to film news now, actor Robbie Coltrane said recently that he is rap filming his scenes as Rubius Hagrid for the upcoming Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix movie. Principal filming for the fifth Harry Potter film is due to run until the end of the year and will be seen in theaters next July. The Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire DVD was a winner recently at the Home Entertainment Awards held last week in Las Vegas. The DVD won three awards, including nods for Best Overall Presentation, Theatrical Release, and DVD Extras of the Year from a major studio. Congratulations! Actors Rupert Grint, who plays Ron Weasley, and Julie Walters, who portray Molly Weasley in the Harry Potter films, are both due to make a public appearance at the Edinburgh Film Festival next month on August 26th, as their new movie, Driving Lessons, will be one of the highlights of the festival. Actor Alan Rickman, who plays Professor Snape, will also be in Edinburgh at the same time, as he will be directing his new play at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Finally, acclaimed director M. Night Shyamalan has given a new interview to LeakyNews.com, where he confirms and expands on the recent news that he had been offered to direct the first Harry Potter movie. He also goes on to reflect and comment on how he would approach directing with great care either of the last two Harry Potter films, if given the opportunity. He clearly says he would treat J.K. source material as, quote, sacred, end quote. You can hear this entire interview later on in our program. Well, for much more information on all these stories and all things Harry Potter, be sure to click on LeakyNews.com, which is updated daily. Now, on with the
2: show. Welcome, it's Pottercast 48. Yay! A real beginning, yay! John's woken up from a slumber. Are we sure it's 48 or is it 49? This is 48, John.
3: Oh, I get so confused.
2: One more before the big, the big live world-shaking Ending podcast. So one more
3: after this. One more Mm -hmm. after this, and then the big one. Yeah, our fiftieth, fiftieth, our fiftieth show. Except for that, it's a leaky mug, and it's not our fiftieth show, which will come a week after the leaky mug. These big,
2: these big special ones count. These big special ones are like, like they count Uh, as both because it's going to be two hours.
3: Oh, Uh, well, yeah, there's not going to be another podcast that week, certainly. No, 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 certainly not, no, surely not. no,
2: no, 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 no. this is, we're coming up on 50, we've put 50 hours of useless blabber into the potter sphere.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure there's more than that.
2: No, not all useless blabber, we've had, God, I was looking over it today, we had interviews, I think we did more interviews this year than, than we did in like, all of Leaky's history just for podcast.
3: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Seriously. That's a lot. Stuart Craig. Stuart Craig. the very first week of podcast. We
2: had mm-hmm. Bonnie Wright. We've had Matt Lewis. And Chris. And and Matt Lewis. Matt Lewis. Mm-hmm. Chris Rankin. Mm-hmm. Chris Columbus. Alfonso Coron. And.
3: Uh, Ed we Kern. do Chris Columbus?
2: Yeah, he is. He's been on here. <laughs> did you miss that, John? I, I thought
3: we were going to do him.
2: Well. No, Absolutely. no. Well, we had we've had interview with Chris Columbus but on here. That's right. Yeah, and we've interviewed Jamie Yes, he was Jamie. He's a great guy. God, Cheryl Klein, and Arthur Levine. Yeah. <laughs> Hi,
3: Cheryl Klein. That's been, God,
2: guys, what a
3: year! I like the repeating the name game. I know, I know.
2: <laughs> well, guys, I mean, it's always so so awesome to speak to. People who, in the Harry Potter world, mm-hmm. people who put the books together, people who put the movies together. But of we course. created this podcast. We very specifically created another segment for people who don't actually put the books and the movies mm-hmm. together, but might have something very valuable to say sure. about the book or movie creation process. And I have to say, I never, ever, ever thought that that segment would yield as big of an interview as we has this week. Yeah, it's quite the interview. Oh. We have... We have with us Mr. M. Night Shyamalan, the author, director, creator of The Sense and and Sign and Unbreakable and The Village, one of the most hailed artistic minds of
3: our time on Pottercast. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's very exciting.
3: It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. He... He talked
2: about how he'd never, ever would want to direct a Harry Potter. No, film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's I'm kidding. Not I'm true. kidding. I'm so kidding. <laughs> Give me heart failure. We yourself. had we had about we had 15 minute talk about what he would do with Harry Potter. He talked about it with such. I mean, you'll hear it, but he says that when he lost his chance to do the first mm-hmm. one, that it still haunts him. He's like, what? It haunts me what I would do with Harry Potter. You know, with that awe in his
3: voice. Totally.
4: Well, I think this gentleman would make a very good director for a Potter film. I just... um, He wasn't the first one I would have thought of, but when I picture him, I know I think he says he doesn't want to maybe do six, but if I see him in that cave scene just doing a phenomenal... Yeah. Suspense-filled, tension-filled, magic-filled, mm. both creepy and delightful at the same that time. Really, I just think it would be fantastic. I don't know. I just think you could do a good job.
2: That really would be his mm-hmm. scene, huh? I really do. I mean, and, he even
5: on... fairies. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, he makes a cameo in all his yeah. films. Somebody said in our comments that like, yeah, he should be, be an, an in fairy. So <laughs> he'd probably
3: make like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. It would be. <laughs> I wonder if he, put, like, if he would put James and Lily in there as a twist. As in Furious.
4: I don't think That'd so. Be really I mean he's pretty creative, but yeah. I don't think so. <laughs>
3: a well,
2: twist. I mean, well there's been a lot of news around him this week. Yes. Yeah. Because he did say in one of his Junkin interviews, a reporter from Coming Soon mm-hmm. this, no, this was not introduced by Warner Brothers. Yes. No. It's just a reporter from Coming Soon, who I know, so I know for sure this did not come from Warner Brothers, asked him. Would you ever direct a Harry Potter? And he said that it was offered to him. I'm not I'm channel Channell and said that it was offered to him for book mm-hmm. one, and thus began. You know, you know, you've made your mark when the mere speculation that a director might have once been offered a Harry Potter film makes mm-hmm. brings yeah. news around the internet.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who does that make our list up to now that we're offered the first one? Wasn't uh, uh, Mike Newell also offered the first one at one point?
2: I don't think so, but I, th- I think when David they say Yates? offer, they mean something. No, not David mm-hmm. Yates. No. Well, then when I they say offer, of the they mean directors. something. Well, Gilliam. when they say when they say oh. offered, they mean something very different than oh. what we. Nobody's walking up to them and saying, at least this is my understanding, that they're not saying here, sign, seal, delivered. It's yours if you want it. I think it's like, would you consider putting in your vision for this? Would you consider coming up with a plan for this? We're saying we would like you to do it. I don't think that means that it's done. I think you still have to go through approval processes. Certainly meet with J.K. Rowling. You know, yeah. It's more like approach.
4: Yeah. Still, yeah. very cool. Very
3: big news. Yeah, sure, Just,
2: yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't wait, wait to me-
3: hear what he's got to say.
2: Yeah. Oh, you know, we we had a good talk. He said that he would be. Very incredibly respectful of it. And he, he also said, which I, which hasn't been previewed on the site so far, he said that his kids would just attack tackle, yeah, yeah. tackle the <laughs> hell out of him. I bet. You'll hear that his kids are just huge, huge fans, huge, mm-hmm. huge fans. Wow. Right. Anyway, what else, since we have so uh, much Unmatched uh, Shyamalan in this show? There
6: are. There what there's else is other, up
4: in the news? Uh, speaking of film news, Mr. Yates, um, we did we were able to clarify the, um, there was a clip we had said before that there was going to be a clip shown at next week's comic con in San Diego. And this clip is not, had been speculated that it was going to include some footage from order of the Phoenix. And we were able to clarify that in fact, it is not, but is a tape message featuring Dan Ratcliffe and the director, David Yates.
3: So I thought that was kind of
4: good, but oh. I still want to see the clip, you know, whatever they yeah. have to say,
3: you know, do you think, do you think they're going to be in character? Like they can try to find somebody's wallet or something this time. I
2: like the Queen's thing. I don't know, John. That's a yeah, good yeah, exactly. Oh, the, the Queen video <laughs> where they had the, the find somebody's earrings. Yeah, the handbag. No, I think that maybe one. What character would David Yates be? I don't be? know. They got
3: they got ropes and every size on that set. Wait, wait, wait. Is it
4: David Yates or is it David Heyman? Well, the, it's the director David Yates. Is is is, is
2: what we got from okay. Warner Brothers. Okay.
3: So, How about Stuart, well, they Craig. Stuart <laughs> Craig? They always do
4: this thing
2: at Comic Con. Stuart Craig. They always do this thing at Comic Con because Comic Con is the largest yes. convention, science oh, fiction, huge. fantasy convention. It's yes. huge. I
3: still, I still think we should go.
2: So I would love to go, man. No, oh man, we're not going to be that
3: far from it when we're at Lumos.
2: No, I'm not. You can go have fun. See ya.
3: <laughs> I'm going to app right there. Uh,
2: no, not traveling four hours each way while we're on vacation. It's just no mm-hmm. way. I'm already going to spend this whole month on a plane. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's just... okay uh,
2: For those of you who don't know, Scholastic, the American <clears throat> publishers of the Harry Potter books, are putting, uh, are sending me and Emerson of MuggleNet and Cheryl Klein from Scholastic. She's an editor on the book. She was on our show last week, actually to round to three cities to, t- to discuss Harry Potter at bookstores, events. that re- We're going to record them and turn them into, pod- into podcasts for posting as an official Harry Potter podcast. So we're going to Chicago on July 20th. We'll be in the Barnes and Noble in Las Vegas on July 25th. And on July 30th we'll be in Los Angeles. And in between there, we're all going to Vegas and we're doing a Big Life podcast. And after that, we're going back to New York and doing a Big Life podcast. Uh, it's a whole lot of big uh, podcast uh, i think really, so what you saying i mean five five in the next couple of
3: weeks wow a whole lot of stuff
2: five of them
3: five Ah, ah, ah,
4: uh. ah. um okay what uh, else we see? got some confirmation about driving lessons um opening in the fall we got some dates um it'll be a limited release um Starting October 13th, I believe. Um, one very, very cool and unique and out-of-the-world piece of news. I think this is a f- very fun thing. Um, our, did you say out-of-the-world? Yes, out of I world? did. <laughs> Coming to a galaxy near you, everyone. It's
2: asteroid rolling. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Whoa.
2: So, wait. Wait, wait. I know. Right. I know. I'm not sure. I'm not She's crazy. a woman <laughs> who lives in London, or Edinburgh, who created a, a world on another plane. Yes. She has a dinosaur. Now she has an asteroid. You cannot contain this woman. She's she's a woman coming outside of space and time. She's just <laughs> God. I mean, you
3: know, I think this is just getting you know, a little obnoxious. I think th- this is what? what people are just going to start naming <laughs> things after Joe, just so they can get Joe to acknowledge it. Like I think, I think Joe's I'm comment. gonna I'm gonna name the pasta dish that I made this evening. The the Joe, <laughs> the Joe Eddie, uh, uh, pasta pasta dish, and Joe's going to comment Why? about it on her blog. Why she, Eddie? Uh, let's go. Like it's like spaghetti. It's just Joe Eddie. <laughs> Joe, Joe Eddie. Eddie. Okay. And she's commenting <laughs> back. Like, I'm so proud and excited to be the namesake of John's uh, spaghetti dish. <laughs> I can't even tell you. What. Uh, that's what she's going to say. Wow. And then I'm going to be able to strut because John, I named something. Spaghetti
2: Dish, Dinosaur, Asteroid. All the same thing, really. Well, I mean,
3: they're, they're going to run out of things eventually. There's only so many cool things you can name until you get to my Spaghetti Dish. Well,
2: she's... She's, she's taking over the world and outer space. She's taking over the world. The world... Is the world no. enough? No, she's going I to know. the stars. Just, no. It is. It's
4: just... Joe, too funny, man. I mean, only Joe. I, you know, I'm dying, though, to understand, you know, if we can find to get to her reaction. That's what I would love to hear. You know, I just. What, what do you say when someone says to you, hey, we've named an asteroid after you. A big lump of rock floating in space. What, I mean, what do you say? You know? <laughs> you
3: know? Well, that's the whole point, isn't say, it? It's getting her reaction. I hope to
4: never meet it. Yeah.
3: I'm I'm. I'm sure we'll get a reaction somehow.
4: Oh my goodness, yeah. so funny!
3: I'm sure. I'm sure this guy will be really upset if he doesn't. You have a get what? reaction.
2: I have a star. There's a star named after me. Really?
3: Yeah, they have the International Star Registry. They have the International I my, Star my Registry. My has one of those.
2: My godmother bought me a star, so there is a star called Melissa Danielle Anelli. So look, John. Oh. We can have our little celestial beings, sort of. That'd be fun. Okay. What else? Well, what else? What
4: else? I mean. Uh, just, there's just oh. small things. Um, there's this, I don't understand what this new Nintendo platform is. And I'm not even try it, but there's this, oh.
2: John
3: maybe, yeah. Oh.
2: John knows. I don't understand oh, the. either. Oh, this is probably, like, I'm the most small. exciting
3: thing I've seen all week.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh okay, explain. Oh my what is the news? Well the Splints? new Nintendo
3: oh. system. I mean we already have our new Xbox system, Xbox three sixty. We've been waiting <clears> on <throat> the new Nintendo one, which is was called the Nintendo Revolution. Now it's called the Nintendo like Wii. Yeah. it' really weird W I I, but whatever whatever. The cool thing about this is that it has the controller it takes up both of your hands except they're not Connected to each other, it's two separate things in your hands, and one of them is a motion sensing controller that senses what you're doing with it, like moving it around in the air yeah uh i don't know i don't know exactly how complex it is. I know there was talk early on about a Zelda game, which everybody was was excited about mm-hmm. and the possibility of fighting with the sword, but they said that that's kind of the features aren't exactly that complicated. you can only do little things with the sword, so i don't know but It's looking like it could be possible to have a Harry Potter game where, and this would just totally make my day, is like, depending on how you move the wand, the controller, like Uh the the swish and flicks and all that, would be what spell you'd use. That'd be just unbelievable. If they could combine that somehow with like voice recognition, (laughs) dude, I would never leave that room, man. (laughs)
2: Expelliarmus. Oh my (laughs) gosh.
3: I would just sit there.
2: Expelliarmus.
3: You know, like, you know, it would make the really stupid things about old Harry Potter games, Mm -hmm. like, sit in there and, like... Doing a flipendo against a vase to get a jelly bean. Right, right. It actually would make that fun. It would make that a lot of fun. Just sit there and flipendo stuff. (laughs) Dude, that game would have hours and hours of replayability. What Harry Potter fan wouldn't want to actually hold something that they could pretend is a wand and actually have it function and do things? I would get tired of it after a while. Well, Hmm. no one asked you. (laughs) (laughs) I would have fun. Oh, I would. For like the first half hour, would be awesome, and then it would be like a... You're only giving it a half I hour, can't. I'm giving it like a month. Really?
2: Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> I'd love See, it. See, Melissa, you, you want, you'll, you'll have to rent the game, and I'll buy it.
2: I will. I will. Well, what do we think, guys? We have such a show yes, coming sir. that I think that if we don't have yeah. anything more mm-hmm. important to talk about, we should get yeah. to
3: it. I think we've got to dig in. are a lot in. of people who
2: are going... Yeah, some people are going to be looking for the Modcast.
3: The Modcast, yes. We have the Modcast. We have, oh, Melissa, I don't know what happened to you, but you mm-hmm. left just when we needed you to record the canon conundrums. And yeah, but Steve is back, Hopefully so. Steve is back.
2: Steve's back. Mm-hmm. Melissa's gone.
3: I don't know what kind of, con- I don't know if we solved the conundrum this week, no. but we certainly enjoyed <laughs> talking about it.
2: Yes, we did. <laughs> what did you guys talk about this week? We I heard something about this. <laughs>
3: talked about um, the house elves.
2: And, and pies, and the
3: conundrum of their appearance, <laughs> and if they're gonna, what they're going to do in book seven.
2: And what about the house elves? What what they're going to do in book seven? Yeah, yeah.
3: And who they're going to fight for, and, and what their sweet skills are. it will be <laughs> fun. Oh my
2: god! Don't ask me Don't ask. <laughs> The interview with Mr. M. Night Shyamalama-lamalama-lamalama-lamalama. ding dong Shyamalama-ding-dong. I bet he never got that joke <laughs> ever. <before>. No. I,
3: <laughs> and I, I saw bet that. he loves it. <laughs> I saw that in the comments from somewhere. I don't remember. <laughs> I like it. Oh, okay. All right. Too long a news talk. We gotta go.
2: Bye. See you
6: later.
1: Bye-bye. And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's
6: modcast.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's modcast. I'm Laurie Damaral, otherwise known as Asphodel Wormwood, on the Leaky Lounge forum. Hi, I'm Doris Herman, or Doris TLC, on the Leaky Lounge forum.
5: And this is Jason Edwards, otherwise known as the Guru of Sloth, on the forum. Today's topic is the Forbidden Forest and. Kind of, We're going to look at it from the point of view of what it represents uh, in a literary way and um, how characters are affected by it and changed by it when they enter. Um, just sort of the different purposes it serves for the story. So uh, any ideas to get us going here?
1: Well, should we look at when we first see it? Um, which is well, the, the first time that we go into see it. it or first, the first time that yeah, we go into it. Because we first hear about it when Dumbledore's giving out the start-of-term notices and it's like, remember, you know, the Fidden for Boris, forbidden forest is still forbidden and he looks at Fred and George. Sure. But then it's when <laughs> Harry, Hermione, Neville and Draco get detention. Mm-hmm. Because right. the film puts Ron and in, in there their... but he's not.
5: Yeah, yeah. Don't pay attention to the film.
1: And it's yes, they've they've all been naughty and they're all in detention and it's punishment that they stay it's a really extreme punishment actually, that they stay up at night and go into a forest. Right. Um and understandably Draco Malfoy is terrified of being in a dark oh, eleven year old boy <laughs> in a dark, dark forest, I'd be scared. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Yeah. They, they all were, too. I think. And
1: it's teaching them a lesson.
5: Neville certainly was.
7: Yes, it, yeah. it does teach Melissa. And one thing I think that was interesting is that their true personality kind of came through. And that was the first time mm. that I think I really saw that. You know, Draco was really terrified. I, until the sixth book, I hadn't seen that kind of fear in him again, but he was terrified
5: yeah he was especially it, it, at the prospect of it, even before they even went in,
7: yeah, of course, he went back to that, you know, what's my dad gonna think and mm-hmm. but but yeah, he was he was it made you sort of have a little empathy, you know, he was a normal kid, he was going someplace, he was scared.
5: it did seem like he kind of calmed down enough to uh <laughs> to play a stupid trick on Neville, but um yeah, I don't know, I, I guess maybe having Fang with him somehow helped, but <laughs> uh yeah, then he obviously became terrified again when he got split off with Harry, and they saw
1: the Dark
5: Lord. mort or whatever yeah <clears throat> Jason floating around L- looking at that we can see that for for these characters, well, Harry goes in in this first book, and what does he do he he has kind of a different experience. He's I'm sure he's as scared as as the rest.
7: Right. Well, one thing one thing about the forest is a literary device and when a character enters the woods, one of two things happen. Either they don't they do not see things clearly, so the forest is kind of a way to to shade their vision um or and In
5: that case they're kind of against the forest. They right, have right. to contend with it.
7: And or they become um, almost like the forest is a place where they go in and their vision is cleared, or they think um, maybe in a more logical in, in a more logical way, and they get some kind of insight. And I think that's what I see happen with Harry, is when Harry goes in into the forest, um, he learns something, but he learns something about himself, not just about this new magical world and the creatures that are in the forest that he feels like he should be so scared of. But then he finds out some of them can be helpful. hmm. But he sort of learned something about himself. You know, he's, I think he, at that point, he's really starting to get the confidence that he's going to need to face what's going to happen in the seventh book, whatever that may be.
5: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, in addition to that, the forest is like a lot of times just a source of straight up information. Um, You know, information about who was really behind, who was really after the Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone. Mm -hmm. Information behind... um, You know, information from the spiders, (laughs) Aragog and his friends uh, about the basilisk. He's always overhearing conversations. Um, I don't know if I should say always, but, you know, for example, between Snape and Quirrell, um, you know, you go into the forest and you kind of come out with some new knowledge. And a lot of times to escape with that knowledge, whether it's some new insight about yourself or just random information that can help you in your quest, you know, you've got to go through quite a struggle or quite a, a fright, maybe. Um, it's really like a a training ground or like a testing ground kind of, you know, it's it's not going to give up its secrets easily, mm-hmm. especially if you don't kind of treat it with the right respect, I would say.
7: Right. Well, and another thing that's interesting is that, um, you know, one of the big things for Harry is that he discovers that he's magical, yet in the forest, magic doesn't really seem to be as much of an issue. There are these magical creatures there, but... It's it's not like, you know, he has to think his way through things. He can't just pull out a wand and say, you know, problem solved. He yeah. he has to think his way through things. He has to logically think things out. I, I think that's a, a good thing that he's having to figure out, and he's figuring it out in the forest. Um, Hermione said in the first book, after Snape's test, that um, wizards don't think logically Um this is one place where he has to really think and have use, use common sense to think through a problem.
5: She is, well, she, what she says, right, is that a lot of wizards don't, or that they don't think they need it, I think is the implication. Yeah. That right. makes a lot kind of sense, actually.
1: That, if you think yeah. about who lives near the forest, who spends a lot of time in the forest, and who for very, very many years didn't have a wand. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he had something broken in his umbrella, but he obviously wasn't a fully trained wizard. He couldn't use magic like most wizards. And he right. gets on best with the creatures in the forest. And I think that's an important point. And it, it sort of reiterates the fact that the forest is somewhere where you can't just draw out your wand and wave it around, Hope, hopefully. It's a, it's not just a bunch of trees. It's a living entity with living creatures of, you know, really, you know, intelligent creatures. Right. right.
5: And creatures of, you know, great danger who, like you say, the, the wand and, and spells really... In a lot of cases, they're not going to help you. I mean, maybe you could go in there with an army of wizards and, you know, subdue the forest. But even that, you know, I I, I would kind of question. But how many times did Harry find himself in a situation where, you know, his... Uh, uh, or, well, you know, obviously, Harry, in most cases, isn't a really advanced wizard. But let's say even, like, someone really powerful could go in there. And if they were caught in the middle of, you know, Aragog's Den or, you know, trapped by centaurs, they're not going to blast their way out of there with... No. With spells, I don't you know, even think the Dumbledore the would, have been,
1: would have been able to, even if he'd wanted to, which he right. wouldn't. Dumbledore had he would not to do something it that like way. that, but sure. had he wanted to, I don't think he'd have been able to. I think wizards, they overestimate their power in comparison to other mm-hmm. other entities. I mean, you know, we know small little house cells have magic that's on a different level. And it's, you know, quite possible that different creatures have other different types of magic that just can't be conquered by wizard magic,
7: human magic. You know, I wondered a lot, too, in the forest in the next book, because it does seem like magic doesn't really have the same effect there, Um, or it's not used as much, maybe. What Mm -hmm. would happen if the battle that happened um, when Voldemort came back, what if it happened in the forest? Yeah. You know, what would happen if they had to do that? If they couldn't use their wands, if if that kind of magic didn't work, there would have to be a lot of logic. And I don't know that Voldemort can do it. I don't know. Also, isn't, mm. it, isn't it funny that yeah. they're so scared of the forest, and yet, um, yeah, the centaurs live in the forest, and
1: they may not like the wizards, but they're not really bad. But it's introduced and... to every student are, as some... the forbidden forest. Forbidden means bad, wrong, nasty, scary, horrible, hateful. Yeah. You don't touch it if it's forbidden. Obviously, it's like, oh, I want to touch it. But you're not really...
5: Which is a great way to to get people to want yeah, to go in there. Yeah, but at the same
1: exactly. time, it's, you are, it's brought to you first time with this connotation that there's something up with it. There's something not quite yeah. right. There's something that might hurt you or might trick you or endanger you somehow. And I think that's, you know, it's quite sensible because a lot of people do then fear it. You know, Draco sure. wasn't right. it? There might be wet. He said there might be werewolves, or that might be yeah. the film corrupting yeah. me again.
5: No, he did yeah. say that. He did say that. Yeah. Yeah,
7: yeah. yeah it, it's just so interesting because you see unicorns in the forest; they're good. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the centaurs, who aren't really bad. They don't like wizards. They're not really bad. So it's just kind of an interesting thing that you know. There's the a lot of centaurs
5: are neat because they're they're like beyond like good or bad. They're you know they're as sentient as a human, so they can be good or bad. They you know they're they kind of have the choice. They're not like a creature that's pure evil or pure good, um you know, like you might say, a unicorn is you know I don't know how much they really think a unicorn is just sort of a creature of
1: it represents like, good you know
5: this kind of pure yeah. good essence, whereas a centaur can choose you know they can they have a different code um a different sort of way of behaving, but they still you know they can be evil they can be good they can be kind they can be you know some days have bad days some days have good days whatever
7: yeah so, hey one thing we talked about um we just sort of touched on but we talked about before we started actually taping is hagrid and how hagrid kind of lives on the edge of the forest mm-hmm. um what do you guys think that means
5: yeah i mean i think that's about as symbolic as you can get he's
7: because hagrid he's is almost a half got breed. one f- He's right, half well, beast, half, half <laughs> human.
1: He's halfway between the human world and halfway between the forest world of beasts. <laughs> okay, well, Laurie, summarize that real quick for <laughs> us, okay? Pretty much. woo <laughs> Thus speaks a well, Yeah, Cytherin. he kind
5: of straddles the line. You know, he he's comfortable in some ways more in the forest, but in other ways, I'm sure he's more comfortable, you know, walking among uh, other wizards, uh, you know, just kind of depends. But he, he can kind of cross that line better than probably anyone. Yeah. You know, I think that th- I got this from from looking at this thread in, in Obscurus, which is kind of what inspired this modcast to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were talking about how a lot of in a lot of stories, the forest represents a place of of like heightened magic, of like a little bit of wildness. Of where you go in there, like outside of that, the world is normal, and you go in, and there's magic, and it's you know there's fairies and weird things happen. Um, in this story, you know that's kind of it's certainly a place where things are very different but Mm -hmm. you know as we were talking about in a way it's kind of like suppresses the usual kind of magic and um introduces a different you know do you yeah i guess so and i don't know if we want to bring up like any any other forests from from other
7: you know there are a lot of like fairy tales that where little red riding hood goes into the forest and yeah you know or um and in in (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, okay, and she actually does, yeah. but but in the Disney version, you know, she lives, and so does Grandma and everybody else. But anyway, um, yeah, and and then uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, and I think I've already brought that one up. It, sure, it's the same thing. You know, we go into the forest and we learn something. It's it's kind of almost um, like a classroom in sort of a weird way. It's a place where you learn something, and in, in some fairy tales, it's a place where evil happens. Yeah um in in some stories it's a place where um good things happen and in this one is different because you're led to believe that bad things are going to happen and you can see that they might right but it
1: depends on how you react and your, own your choices and decisions it's your choice there. if you go in there and saying oh bad stuff's going to happen have your wand out in front of you on the offensive no mm-hmm. one's going to like you for that the sentinels are going to think what are they up to are they going yeah. to try and disturb my peace and so you're going in there bringing tension into the forest whereas you go in there open minded and then just naturally cautious obviously you're in an unknown environment and just naturally cautious but not on the offensive then you're going to be far more readily accepted by those who who live there and think of it as their home because it is their home isn't it ministry yeah. appointed like safe territory for the centaurs because it's so Yeah, hidden I think and well it is, kept. yeah. Yeah.
5: And it's interesting uh that I think no matter what no matter what your approach and what your experience in there m- Most people are going to come out changed, right? And I think that's, maybe that's one of the messages of the forest. It's, you you, you don't come out quite the same.
7: No, no, look at Dolores Umbridge. She came out Uh, very different.
5: Be uh, interesting to see what's going on in her mind these days.
7: Yeah, that's true.
5: Still pissed that she's even in the ministry at all, but...
7: Well, yeah.
5: She should be sacked.
7: I think it's like a satire about (laughs) politicians, but you know, that's just my own opinion. I don't like it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go write (laughs) your own book, Jason. (laughs) <laughs> oh wait you did what's that i said i said go write your own book but you oh, did yeah. write your
5: own book. <laughs> not about her though no gotta wait yeah well should we wrap it up then yeah all right well like i said uh there's a really interesting thread on this in flourish and blots in obscurus books form i think uh-huh. that's what it's called you know, the one with all the crazy ideas. And <laughs> they are so not go... crazy. <laughs> You're a
7: crazy. That's, my, idea, that's like my favorite forum. It is. You? It's
5: awesome. And obviously, I like it because we chose a topic out of it, but just saying. So forest, go there. It's
1: a world of its own. Yeah. Yes, it
7: is.
5: It's a really interesting discussion at the moment, and I hope it carries on like that. So this is Jason saying goodbye.
1: This is Doris saying goodbye. And this is Laurie saying. Goodbye,
5: and you'll hear from me next week. That's right. See ya.
0: I think that the House Elves not play an important role in Book 7, apart from the fact that Dobby knows Hogwarts so well, which might help find a Horcrux, and also that Creature is a strong candidate for having the locket that was left to Grymore Place. But overall, I don't think the House Elves will play an important role in the fight against Voldemort. I don't think they'll play a huge role, but it is possible that they could end up teaming up with the good guys, but
1: I don't really think that Voldemort would have much use for them. So maybe Hermione will take FTEW farther. She'll use the house
0: elves as a way to effectively come up with a good strategy for fighting evil. I think that the role of the
2: house elves might be a little bit more in the past than the previous books.
0: Um, I don't know about all the households, but maybe Dobby and Creatures specifically will play a role. Maybe Dobby will help Harry get a Horcrux or something or spy for him again. The elves have their own special magic, and I don't think Joe would have mentioned that if it wasn't going to come into play in a future book. And I think that they might try and be persuaded by Voldemort to come to his side since they are so loyal. However, I think Hermione's offers for freedom combined with Baudu's success will keep them from going to the dark side.
8: And now it's time for Canon Conundrums, featuring special guest Steve VanderArk from the Harry Potter lexicon. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? And here we are. Cannon conundrums. Another Ooh. another round with cannon.
4: Yay! And listen to that voice. Who could that be, everyone? <laughs> I
3: don't even recognize conundrums. that voice
8: anymore. I've not heard yeah. that voice in so long. Yes, I'm I'm back from Denmark.
4: It's Steve. He's back. Yes. yes. What were you doing?
8: I'm back from Denmark. I Had a wonderful time. All the way out in Denmark. Wow. that's well, not that far. Where is, where is that? It's not like Siberia or something.
3: On like a map. I don't even know. Is that like in
8: Europe or is that? Northern Europe. Yes. Northern Europe. Is it really cold up there this time of year? It's not. It was actually very hot. Wow. <laughs> I didn't pack for it to be as hot as it, muggy as it was. It was very warm. It uh-huh. was very warm. But it was a lot of fun. So what are we talking about anyway? Well,
3: we're, we're one voice short here. We, we're we minus oh, yes. Melissa. I've noticed that. Melissa, Melissa stepped out of the room. Does she have a life or something? Uh, she st- You know? (laughs) No. No. We we record this whole show all at one time, you know? We don't break this up into different
8: uh, (laughs) evenings or anything. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My ruining the uh, suspension of disbelief. She
6: stepped out of the room, is what happened.
3: (laughs) Either that or she was at an American Idol concert suddenly. This evening. Really? Yeah.
8: Of oh, all fun. concerts. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, what are she we trying to get on? She? <laughs> she was. Oh, I think we're talking about house elves. <laughs> house elves. That's a fun topic. House elves. And yeah. we didn't cool.
3: announce the topic last week because we really had no idea what we were going to talk about. That's right. Because right. I wasn't
8: back yet. And I know. you By golly, you wanted to wait for me. You screwed mm-hmm. us up. I know. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> okay. So house elves. It's a conundrum. Their whole existence is a conundrum to us. It definitely is. Well, the, the big question is, Okay, and, okay if, if I may be so bold as to state the big question, the big question is house elves are like this little hidden or secret or or almost ignored little thing that's just kind of in the sides and the edges of the Harry Potter stories all the time. But if you think about it, they're really quite a, a powerful race of beings. So the question is, are they going to become... Uh, an important part of the the, the the final segment of the story here. I yes. guess, does that put it I think, well? yeah,
3: you know, I, a lot of things that I don't think we know that I would like to know and hope to find out in book seven is, you know, how just how many house elves are there? And yeah. if, if they're not at Hogwarts, I mean, do they have their own little cities? When, were, if, they're all, if all house elves <laughs> you know, are enslaved, or the baby house elves? I don't know. How do they, uh, you know, they figure they've got to reproduce and that come from eggs, I don't suppose. Okay, we're not going to no. start
8: talking about that, are we? Actually, I'm I think not. I think the Modcast got into house elf yeah. reproduction. House elf reproduction. Oh, Actually, well, okay. let, me, let me. So anyway, so we can, if they got into that, then we can slip right past them. Yes, house we elves. can. Sadly. Um, reproduction
3: I, I'm question. I'm quite disappointed I was not able to partake in that conversation.
8: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. But. But the question, okay, let's just take Dobby, for example, okay? Yes. I would, you know, I'm I'm looking at Dobby, this little squirt little thing written to be just a joke almost, sure. mm-hmm. and annoying, and you wish he wasn't there, but at the same no. time, he pulls out, okay, I'm sorry, Love he him. pulls out a whole handful of Harry's letters. Now, we're not mm-hmm. talking one or two. We're talking like a big, thick wad mm-hmm. of letters, which came by our post. Now, we know from other places in the canon, you don't mess with owl post, okay? Right. I mean, it was a big deal that Umbridge managed to stop Hedwig in in yes. order of the Phoenix. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it was how, these things are magical creatures, the owls. I'm saying, and you don't just just stop them. So Dobby, this little you know Weasley little thing, not Weasley's the wrong word, but you know, little little yeah. squirt somehow has the power to interfere with. The owl post. I mean, that's pretty amazing. So anyway, so that's an example of what I mean. Is that house elves are are they can they can kick butt, you know? Yeah. Well, he They're blocked the
4: portal, right? You you. I mean, he blocked the portal to the the gateway. Yeah, I mean, I just
8: find exactly. you so know? this can't be something that just can be easy to do. I mean, we're talking about some serious yeah th- serious magic here. I think what's what we're going to find is that the House Elves are going to be
3: like, oh, you know, we totally underestimated the House Elves come, you know, book right. seven. Yeah. Wh- why didn't we think to ask the House Elves for help? Or, you know, quite possibly they will ask the House Elves for help. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, I mean, if if nothing happens in book seven with the House Elves becoming more involved then in the whole spew pot- plot line and all that stuff was for naught well
4: wow. you know john you break a good point you were talking about about spying or using to help see I always in book six didn't like bobby one of my favorite scenes was when he clocked him right in the nose right when he clocked creature right mm-hmm. in the yeah, nose right, right. and Harry still i hate the word owns him but he still is creature is still working for Harry I guess technically right. so cannot can't Harry just say you must go work and and spy on on Bellatrix or the list ranges? Could, it, could, could Is that possible? You know? I don't know. Would would he work for the Order? I mean, would that be too risky? I, I just don't know.
8: I I, it seems like it'd be too risky to me. Yeah. But you know, because a creature is such a... I mean, hilarious. I mean, you listen to the things he says. Yeah. Hermione talks to me. He says, the mudblood is talking to me. Yes, you know, just, yes. <laughs> I mean, he's like so out to lunch. Yeah. You know? But but you think about your normal house self, not Creature now. Yeah. And not not, not the drunk one. What's her name? I forget Winky. 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 I yeah. love Winky. Or Hokey. Hokey, the little <laughs> <laughs> carrying around. But you know the <laughs> house elves but listen to us mm-hmm. house elves are are written for us to think that they're just kind of dumb exactly kind of, well, kind, of harmless. kind of little little yeah. idiots harmless yeah mm-hmm. but think about it i mean think about the power that that these creatures are showing yeah now what would happen if at the end of everything the house elves would just say okay that's it that's enough and just yeah, stop it it's true you know yeah if they would somehow be given enough freedom to be able to realize that they are a lot, because they've been oppressed for so long. Yeah. But if yeah. they would get enough freedom to be able to, uh you know, realize that they could do something on their own. Yeah. You know, the whole reason that they don't use those magic powers for anything else is because they're so oppressed, right?
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and Dobby I mean, was able to... Is that, is that to, fair? Dobby was able to take out Lucius... In the castle. I mean, who would win right. in a fight, Dobby versus Lu- yeah. Dobby? Well, Lucius. Actually, yeah. No, th- Lucius, Carri- you know,
4: you would think. Does, yeah. does Harry yeah.
3: have a life debt to Dobby? Because, you know, Lucius was mm-hmm. going to cast the Avada Kedavra on him. Oh, that's a close version of
6: That's in the movie. Oh, are
8: you sure? Sh- yeah, wasn't going to cast the Avada difference. a difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference. <story. laughs> <laughs> Between what the movie and the book, Get John? Oh, you know, I'd, 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 the movie is is like almost word for word from the book, John. Yeah, but that was one tiny little spot where it was different. Just tiny, yeah. tiny. <laughs> he went off on his own. Yeah. Oh god, that's but, funny. You know, <laughs> yeah, was, I,
4: I, I think it's really curious. So I just love the way Joe has written them, though, because they have such personality and they're. But these these you know the house elves are everywhere. They know all. I would assume they know all of Dumbledore's secrets because you know, they're in his quarters. They, that's you, true. You know, and I just think somewhere along the line that maybe somehow that will play to the advantage for Harry. I, I just, I, I just can't see you know, them.
8: I never thought about that. I never thought about how much that they collectively now mm-hmm. must know about not just Dumbledore, but oh, they know so much about all these major wizarding families. Mm-hmm. They're like behind the scenes. For everybody, I mean, mm-hmm. not the Weasleys, but well, all the really big families and important families. The Crouches certainly had house elves because they right. had Winky, oh for sure, right. yeah. Right? So and, you and think about yeah. that—the knowledge that they have. Yeah. So there's
4: got to be some, somewhere along the line that this is, has to come into play. I just can't see Joe totally ignoring that in 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 the last book. But I just. Uh, you know, one more thing before we go good, to wrap up here. I wanna say do you think that Hermione is actually you were talking about Spew before, has she actually forged a really good bond with house elves in order to, to help them the like
8: or something? I you know? I always I always look at this and it's not just Spew, but there's other things too. It's almost like all through the books these little seeds have been planted. Yeah. And I'm almost wondering if all of these things won't somehow all blossom at the right time, right at the end, I mean, you know, spew with the house elves, uh, grow up with the giants, um, even the snake, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. is, is there, are all these things going to come sneaking back out and with all these little seeds that have been planted through the books uh, for, for um, sort of Dumbledore's good influence, you might say sure. that all of a sudden all these things are going to just kind of come crashing out and save the day. I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I think it's all going to come down to house elves, you know, taking over and. I hope. I hope wizards are going to be the secondary citizens and making the pies. Anyway, the conundrum
3: on the elves. Mm -hmm. What will they be up to in book seven? Right. (laughs) I I think that they will come and help out and fight for the good guys. And you know, that's. I mean. Uh, That that's assuming that there's gonna be this big fight where the battle lines is drawn. There's gonna be you know good guys with Hogwarts to their back and bad guys coming up through the gates. And if that's if that's a kind of situation, then the House Elves will be fighting for the good guys.
8: I don't I I, you know summing up kind of a thing. I don't know if I'm if I would say quite that that they're gonna fight for. Uh, in the in some sort of final battle, but I think that their powerful magic anyway is going to come into play at some point. That you know, the fact that that Hermione has kind of uh, forged a new relationship with them, uh, you might say, or kind of given them the idea that they are capable of more than being completely just slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, that their powerful brand of magic, if you might want to call it that, will come into play, and that they will do something. Uh, unexpected. Yeah. That's what yeah. I think. What do you think,
4: Sue? Um, I, I'd agree with both of what you said, but I'd actually say that that it's not just the their their powerful magic, but I think it's the the small and very seemingly un- obscure piece of knowledge that they have gained along the way. that's something that will be revealed mm. that will ultimately help.
8: We'll give it a turning point
4: or a key somewhere along the line. So I,
8: awesome! I, I think that's it, really cool.
3: But uh, yes, that is, I guess, concluding our. <laughs> conundrum
8: for ourselves yeah great well next time we're going to be talking about the character of Ginny Weasley whether she has now that Harry has kind of dumped her unceremoniously at the funeral whether she is now going to fade into the into the woodwork or whether she is going to uh turn out to be the fourth member of the trio and kind of uh, help out in the final solution or somewhere in between um well we'll find out we'll talk about that next time thanks See you then.
2: Pottercast is thrilled to present a very special guest this week. He is one of the most acclaimed directors and screenwriters in the world. His film, The Sixth Sense, grossed more than $600 million at the box office worldwide and was nominated for six Academy Awards. It's also currently one of the 25 most commercially successful films ever made. He was also behind the films Unbreakable, Signs, and The Village, with his penchant for psychological thrillers and science fiction earning him a very large and avid following. However, he's also worked on Family Fair, such as the screenplay for Stuart Little. Most recently, his name has been bandied about as a possible director on one of the remaining Harry Potter films. On July 21st, he will debut his first-ever fantasy film, Lady in the Water, a tale about a water nymph named Story and her arrival at an otherwise mundane apartment complex. She brings with her an entire new lore that Shyamalan created while telling his children their bedtime stories. And as the inhabitants of the apartment complex, led by Paul Giamatti as Cleveland Heap, the superintendent, become intertwined in stories attempt to return to her home, the everyday lives of the real world characters are infused with whimsy and magic. So we're thrilled to welcome Knight, as he likes to be called, to talk about the challenges of creating modern fantasy, of rooting it in the real world, and of course, Harry Potter. Can you explain how this movie came about, how Lady in the Water came to be? Uh,
0: it was uh, one of the stories I told my kids, and it was kind of the uh, the opus of the group. It just kept growing and growing into this, this large, sprawling mythology. And uh, it was a very, very fun time for us, uh, those, those weeks of telling this story. and We kind of got addicted to it, you know. Um, In an unnatural way. You know, normally the the stories kind of are really exciting and then the next day we want another one, but this one just (laughs) wanted to go on and on. And they kept talking about and asking questions and why did this guy break the rules and why did this happen? And and so it just had a kind of a life of its own, which is always something you look for as as somebody that creates things, that it uh, lives, you know, it it has a genetics all its own. And so the idea to make it a, a, a movie came out of that. And then, um, the, the adaptation of that idea into a screenplay was very difficult. Um, I didn't, first of all, I think the problem was that I didn't realize I had to adapt it, an idea. It would be like somebody coming to me and saying, Hey, there's this story. Can you make it into a movie? And I would approach it as an adaptation, but this one I didn't realize was an adaptation until months into the writing. I was like, God, this is so hard to <laughs> do. And, uh, uh finding, uh, a, a, a cast of characters to react and how to react, and you know you're basically making up a whole new movie to go along with the story from from the kids' uh, room.
2: What were the elements of it that you had to you found you had to fill in from the bedroom to the to the screen?
0: You know what the, the, what, it re- what I realized was there was the the movie was hinging on a, on tonal decisions, um, and you know when a little bit five percent would tip it this way and five percent would tip it that way to not working and. What it came down to was who was going to tell you the story and how were the people going to react to the story when they first heard it. And getting those two things right was so tricky. At first, it was actually story's character that told the mythology. And that was kind of the first few drafts of it, and that just didn't work at all. You know, it became Mm -hmm. tedious and... um, not fun you know and and then then i took it from her and i gave it to young soon and it got better but it still wasn't there mm-hmm. and then when i invented the character of her mom who was you know traditional and was didn't even speak english and he, and the story was being translated then it finally went click and we had a lot of fun with the, the 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 giving of information because there's a ton of information and that's kind of how I saw the movie was just an unlimited amount of details about this fictional world and, and Cleveland rolling his eyes and once I got to that part where he was just kind of like oh my god there can't be another rule right. there they can't they can't be another detail the Tartutic what that kind of <laughs> feeling of it where you're allowed to be um, have fun and laugh at it the silliness of it. Um, that a kid's story, it's a kid's story, and it's, and it's wrapped in clothes of a kid story. Once I got that balance, um, it led beautifully into the other stuff and the, the, the realizations of how to, how to do the other characters and when the movie was ready to be sincere.
2: Like you said, it's hard creating all these rules. There's a lot of exposition when you have a whole new lore. Yes. That, that you're dealing with. So how has it changed your view on, on fantasy and successful fantasy?
0: It's, it's such a, um, a wonderful, uh, intoxicating thing to do to make up a whole new world. And I've always been kind of drawn to the to Tolkien's and J.K. Rawlings and i awed at their ability to just go away and, and, uh, and do their thing, you know, and, and create this other world. Um, it's it's uh, it, it's almost like um, you have to be in a an alternate state to do it because it doesn't require the ability to stay connected to the things that you love and know are a, a modern day values and a point of view is detrimental to what you're doing and so you have to kind of do an you know an alternate personality when you're doing it and it's it's a, it's, a, it's a, a scary thing. Yeah. To leave all touchstones that you know as a storyteller and as a human being you know and and so it's it's, it's a very I, I found that it 's a very courageous thing, and I, those guys are um audacious more than I even imagined
2: <laughs> well, because you are used to presenting your own creations, all your work so far has been entirely from you know from you, so creation is different when it's when it 's fantasy and how
0: well, you know, it's very interesting because it, fantasy is a tricky thing for a lot of people. They don't, because they, it doesn't go by rules that we know. A lot of people have trouble being able to make that movement into the alternate universe. Um, and it's interesting because it's very hard to sell a fantasy if it's not pre existing titles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To just sell a fantasy is a trick. It's a very tricky thing. You have to find just the right tone to get into it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, I didn't realize how how different it was, you know, how much it stood alone from its uh, from the other genres.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Cuz you know, if you, the other genres drama, comedy, horror, even all are still have all their feet in things we know. Mm-hmm. With fantasy is, is it's not really the same, it's not on the same line of genres, it's over to the left a little bit.
2: Now you also root it in the real world the same way that Harry yes. Potter does. Um, yes. So you you spoke a little bit about that, but if you could go into some more detail about how you were able to reconcile, you know, the Tartugic, which are these tree creatures that come out of nowhere, and the the Scrunt, which comes up out of the ground that is, is looks like basically a bush, with Cleveland Heap, who's the manager of a apartment complex.
0: Well, you know, my my general thing that I get giddy about doing is taking something fa- fantasy or supernatural and putting it in a very mundane place and then seeing how the two things kind of clash and um, how the people that are inhabiting the, the mundane place um, deal with the, the encroachment of this of this new amazing uh, reality and and this was kind of exactly that where we took them a the mundane apartment building made sure there was no kind of personality in the apartment building at all and people just doing their thing strangers all in their in their apartment building and the possibility of this, backyard mythology unfolds to one and then a whole group of them that basically there are these creatures battling over the future of man right in your backyard and and, and that we are unaware of this battle for our futures and, and, and one side has no faith in us and one does.
2: Which is interesting because it's sort of the same in many types of fantasy. That is a very, very recurring theme. That, th- that this is going on, and, and the world depends on it, and a lot of the world doesn't doesn't realize. Doesn't, and
0: even though it's there, right?
2: Yeah, it's cool.
0: Do I you- mean, I think it's it's it makes it makes I think fantasy works the best when it's metaphorical and it becomes um, a conduit for strong emotions that we feel. So you know. Um, you know, l- l- you know, like Harry Potter and, you know, magic that's inside us, you know, all of these things that are um, metaphorical for our potential or our belief systems, once it becomes metaphor, it becomes very powerful. And the question is, you know, the trick is how to make it um, unconsciously metaphor for things that are very, very important to us uh, since the beginning of time.
2: Right. Do you intend to go back to this world at all?
0: You mean that, this particular fantasy this, world?
2: Yeah, this fantasy world.
0: Uh, you never know, but I i wasn't thinking of it, but I, the idea of doing another fantasy was... I was sad when now, now that we're over. You know, like, this is my last few interviews and the movie will open, you know, in 10 days. And, right. um, and it's sad to leave the world. You feel like, oh, no, I just don't want to be in the regular world again.
2: <laughs> What's been your favorite part about getting to revel in all this fantastical
0: element? I, I tell you the, that that you you know, that you do this kind of two years of making this movie to earn everything is kind of basically to earn that big moment at the end of the movie when you actually give the fantasy to the audience. And if at that point I've done my job correctly, you're you, you let go and you feel awe, you know, and emotion and to have spent two years figuring out how to get a regular person to get to that place where they just feel awe and emotion and they're overwhelmed like a child would be if they saw something, fa- you know, real manifest right in front of them.
2: Yeah, I mean, are audiences more h- harder to to get to that point these days than they were. Are they more cynical?
0: Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like there's a great need for magic right now. Um, that's that's probably why I went to it now. I, I just feel, you know, as in the movie, I feel like it's a. You know a, a muddling time we're all a little lost and it was kind of magic for all of us, you know a thousand years ago or whatever you know everyone still believed there were monsters everywhere i mean there wasn't you didn't have to have you know magic was an everyday thing and and now we kind of really want, we want it back you know and I felt it after um uh, the, the 70s you know when we did a lot of reality based movies which were, which was so exciting to me then we went to kind of the Spielberg Lucas time where um, magic was you know desperately wanted and embraced mm-hmm. and in some, some ways it feels like it's happening again here now with the explosion of all the mythologies and the the, the revisiting of old fantasy books, and of course J.K. Rowling leading the way with um, maybe she began it, you know, right. made us re- a, a, a remember again, you know, for a new generation. Yeah, twenty-five Have, years, you know, past passed.
2: Yeah. Have you read J.K. Rowling? Have you read the Harry Potter books?
0: I have. I have read all of them. My, my my daughter has read all of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is she she a big fan? She, she,
0: they're completely obsessed. <laughs> That's awesome. They have their they have their time turners and <laughs> their their wands and they're just completely obsessed. And when we were uh flying over London we just came back from London, I was like, I see Privet Drive and they just dove to the windows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I torture kids that way. <laughs> it did look like Privet Drive. I can imagine to the place that we were flying over.
2: Now, somebody asked you this weekend, and it did—it did hit the hit the web already—that whether you would ever direct a Harry Potter film.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know what? Look, I we—I was approached, you know, on the first one, and the timing didn't work out, and you know, I would have—I'll tell you what, just you know, it was—it's one of the things that that haunts me it really does is that i would have what i would have done with a harry potter movie because in some ways it feels like um perfect
6: mm-hmm. you know
0: a, a literal perfect match you know and how so you know just you know um the the balance between magic that exists in reality um the the, the, the the yin and yang of good and evil that, you know what I mean, that you kind of come from, that they're so close. Um, it just so, so many of the themes that run through it um, and, and the, the empowering of children,
6: um,
0: a positive outlook. I mean, you, you name it, it kind of falls in line with my, 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 my beliefs. And I enjoy the humor um, in it. Um and it's interesting i my when I read the first Harry Potter and was thinking about making it, you know I had a whole different vibe in my head, you know what i mean uh, uh of it and it'd been it'd be you know it'd been fun
2: what was some of the great. what were some of the elements of that that vibe
0: well, there would be um a, a lot at stake emotionally mm-hmm. you know that the magic would be, um, the, the teaching of magic would be desperately needed, that there would be a lot riding on it. You know, it wouldn't just be kind of all fun and games,
6: mm-hmm.
0: but it would be, there's, there, this was a, a craft that was desperately, so desperately needed in the world. And, and then there was this boy who may be the greatest wizard of his age you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what the implications of a kind of a, a, a new leader, you know, you know, all the themes that are in my movies, you know,
6: mm-hmm.
0: this, this new, a, a, a new leader in, in this art form that is so crucial, you know, and that can be misused so easily. Power, what, what power does to human beings and, and all, all those things. And they would stay, you know, they would stay with you.
2: Have you read up through a certain book or just have you read a couple of them? Which ones have you read?
0: I read the first three mm-hmm. uh, at the time uh, when we were uh, in the early early parts of, I guess, I guess they actually hadn't made the first one because I must have read at least the first two at the time when we were talking about Harry Potter.
2: Now, do you think that Lady in the Water has, I don't know, prepared you more for dealing with something like Harry Potter? Should the occasion arise?
0: Uh, I think so. I mean, I love, uh, uh, I would love to think that, that it, you know, it gave me um uh, uh, a training ground for dabbling in fantasy and the rules of such and the balancing act that goes on.
2: Which which one of the remaining two, because there are two films still open, if somebody came to you and said, pick one, which one do you think you would take?
0: <laughs> You're going to cause a lot of trouble. You know I that. know.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're going to cause trouble. Well, uh, you, you know, should I answer that? It's up well, to you. Well, <laughs> I'm not saying. Well, cle- well, well, clearly, I would, I would love to close the series.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, and that's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you're used to seeing, as you're used to creating, working with your own creations, and you're used to, you know, even your first fantasy was your own creation. How much of a challenge do you think it would present to deal with something that? It's so important to get the details of the world in there. How well do you think you do at that?
0: I'm very, you know, I consider ma- making movies very sacred. You know, I don't think I don't, I don't, there's nothing casual about it for me. So, I mean, you know, it's, um, it's religion for me. So there's no, there's no way that, you know, it would be missed by effort or lack of effort or um, lack of care or lack of attention. You know, it would I would be giving it a, every single iota. I mean, at the end of these movies, um, I got nothing, and I you know I never know how people kind of just make movies as oh that's my that's my gig, and then I go to the next one. And you know, I really feel at the end of each one that that if that was the only one I made. Then that it was it's okay because I gave everything, mm. and so I would I just you know w- it, again it, it would be. Uh, a, a, I would cherish it.
2: There's the Chris Columbus approach, which was very, very good for the first two films, which is all the details, get it all, make sure everything's accurate to the books. And then there's sort of the Peter Jackson approach, which is get the spirit of everything and, 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 you know, worry about the details, but just make sure that we're going in the right emotional way. Which one, which, where do you think you would fall on that spectrum?
0: Um, i had have to, to know which book we were talking about.
2: Right. Say,
0: you
2: know? say book seven.
0: I uh, I've I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I have. You want a copy? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I would have I would think I'm I'm really good at, you know, reading a book and being able to think about the things that would definitely build the same picture that was in the book, you know, like to be able to pull out and say, Okay, these three things do the same thing, we only need that first one but you won't you you won't miss the other two because I'm gonna do this other thing and building a a case study for how to structure the thing. I mean, you know, screenplays are are, are fun for me. Mm-hmm. You know, very, very fun, you know. That would be also different, wouldn't it, to have a writer-director on it?
2: Yeah, it probably would um, would change things a bit. We have, We've yeah. had separate writers and directors so far.
0: Yeah, I know. Fascinating.
2: <laughs> what would your kids say?
0: Well, they would just tackle me. <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to get get because get, get I finished the a sentence they would they would attack me
2: with their wands
0: <laughs> exactly
2: how much How much liberty do you think you would have to take to transfer a material like that adequately from from book to film in your vision
0: oh I wouldn't you know i I'm pretty sacred about stuff i mean i I would be the greatest protector of an author's stuff, you know hmm it would be um you know, especially you know, things that I respect. That is that I know there's inherently magic in it. Right. That I would I would be very wary of uh screwing it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be very careful.
2: If there's one thing you can see happen in Harry Potter, if there's one plot line you wished would occur, what would you <laughs> what would you anything, it could be anything.
0: Hmm. Let's see. I haven't read the four, five, and six. I don't know. Maybe I'll be guessing something that actually exists. Well,
2: I'll tell you.
0: Um, This is a good question. Hold on. I want to think carefully. (laughs) I want to see it like a major, like a, a serious emotional conflict like that, that Ron goes to the wrong side or something, you know, where you really are torn because power has such a double-edged sword to it. And once he becomes like the wizard, you know, mm-hmm. the, the wizard he's going to be, Harry, that, that his his first thing is something so so caught up with strife, you know, like that Ron is the person that he has to do battle with or something like that where it's very difficult. It, he wants to save him as well as stop him, kind of feeling that conflict. So you're tortured about what's going to happen. mm mm-hmm. And it really requires him finding something. Like right now, as I think of the conflict, I don't know what the answer is, but I like that. And I want the audience to feel that for a moment, to go, you're full of all this power, but what are you going to do? Are you going to hurt your best friend? That kind of thing. Right.
2: I think you'll find there's no, there's no scarcity of strife in Harry Potter. <laughs>
0: Oh, good, good. (laughs) Oh, my
2: goodness. If you're only read up to book three, I recommend four, five, and especially six.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my little ones, I'm like, go to bed.
2: (laughs) But listen, this is awesome. And I thank you very much.
0: All right. It was really fun talking to you.
2: Really fun talking to you, too. Take care. You, too. Bye-bye. I think I will stop hearing the drums this week. Oh, you don't hear drums. Uh, I think no. it's almost
3: time for, like, a revamp of the drums.
2: I think it's time for a revamp of a lot of things.
3: See, this is what's happening, is that number 50 is coming up mm. soon. I don't know about you guys, mm-hmm. but on my other uh, podcast, when we got to the 50th episode mark on that one, mm. we decided it was time for quite a few little changes here and there. Your
4: other podcast? Yeah. What that?
3: I got other podcasts. I do one about uh, putt-putt golf. <laughs> I travel to a different course <laughs> every week. I'm a very busy guy. I don't know. I don't. I don't post about it on Harry Potter. Not much to do, but Harry Potter. Putting
4: around with
2: John? Um, is this what you're saying?
3: All my fans on podcast know all about what I'm talking about.
2: Podcast. Uh, I will bet you that there is a podcast. <laughs> Um, oh, not you! Goodness. If John's, you're new to John's. the podcast this week I wish I could tell you that this isn't how the drum section usually goes yes. But it pretty, pretty much, much is yeah.
3: <laughs> We may have a special friend from a previous podcast That may help us out with this little revamp of Ooh, some I little think so. music
2: Well, let's explain mm-hmm. for a second The next two weeks, next couple of weeks, maybe the week after Things are going to go a little bit crazy around Pottercast. Just FYI. crazy. A little crazy. crazy. A little bit crazy because we have Lumos and then we have New York and then we're probably going to have some sort of wrap-up episode of of these two because, God, we're going to be so Mm -hmm. tired.
3: Lumos Maximus is what it is.
2: Lumos Maximus. (laughs) But when we come back with our regular scheduled Pottercast this coming August for our year... An old dear friend is going to be with Ooh. us.
3: A dear friend. Probably one of the dearest.
2: One of the dearest. Yeah. What's his name?
3: Our best buddy. Our favorite dealer of the Gillyweed. <laughs> the <ta-da-da. laughs> Mr. Matt Matthew Lewis. Mr. Matt
2: Yay, Lewis is Neville, back. I love him! Yay! He was our first live accent, like, live, um... Extendable Ears, I think. I think he was our first extendable ears that we didn't record spe- that we recorded specifically for a podcast. Yeah. The other the the interviews going into podcast I'd already had on file. Yeah. But Matt was the first one to sort of sit down and say, Okay. And we had a three show interview with him before the filming of Order of the Phoenix started last year and he, he did his fake little double door uh-huh. <laughs> voice yeah. for us and he was such a good sport. But it. Um,
3: we're going to spend about 25 minutes talking about how long it takes them to do that little hairstyle every morning. Oh. Like, like you saw on the Queen <laughs> video. Very interesting, uh-huh.
2: though. No, I'm excited to have him back because when we did this interview mm-hmm. the first time, we had sort of not gotten the hang of all this audio stuff yeah. yet. Sure. And this time, we've gone to extra lengths to make sure that Matt's audio quality is perfect. We'll be talking all about Book 5. As you it's too late if you're listening to this show it's too late to take part in it but we already collected voicemails from you all and have called or will be calling you yes yes so that you can get on the line mm-hmm. with him and you can, you can talk to Matt yourself you can talk
3: to him and you can squeeze into his ear and just totally annoy him and it'll be hilarious and I'll laugh at his expense
2: what? I think this is a good way to celebrate <laughs> a year. I, just ignore okay. Sue. Just ignore.
3: I tried so you and it didn't sque- work. Uh, squeeing, oh, I, I promised I,
4: promised another... I wouldn't squee. I promised that.
3: And here you are. Ow.
2: Well, I just don't think that David Gates wants no. him to death. I know. See, I promised. And I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, but I think it's a good way to celebrate mm-hmm. the year because Pottercast for the past year has been almost the only place where you can get a lot of fresh Harry Potter interviews, and so I, th- I think it wouldn't sure. be right if we didn't celebrate our year with, you know,
3: yeah. with that. And I'm so excited for Matt, especially as, you know, things have been heating up with him and his role in these yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's obvious to everybody that he and, uh, he will be a bigger presence in these movies from now Yay on. Yay, for that. And um, it's, it's, it's a shame that Bonnie wasn't able to do the Queen thing because she's probably going to have as big of a new yeah. big role in this yeah. movie as mm-hmm. Neville. It's very true. And if she doesn't, I'm going to make a big
2: stink. <laughs> no, I think Neville's going to have a larger role in this movie than Ginny. Yeah. yeah. Probably, because Neville has, you know, yeah. there's ties. There's ties there. I would like to say something.
4: Speaking of a year, this is also not just a year for... For Pottercast, but it's a year for fans of Potter books everywhere. One year ago, it is Haplet Prince came out, and where were
2: you,
3: Melissa? Especially where was everybody? Oh my gosh! I remember where I was. It was such a cool, cooler than where Melissa was. (laughs) Which was? I was. I was at wait for it a Barnes and Noble Mm -hmm. in Ohio. Mm -hmm. But get this: at least, at least ninety people. Oh my God! Probably, maybe a little more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yes, there was face painting.
6: Oh my gosh! <laughs> real
3: with real face paint. And c- uh, sugar cookies that looked like
2: hats. Lightning bolts and hats.
3: <laughs> yes, it was um, cooler than Melissa's.
2: It's really yeah, mine's no. not as cool. But I was um, a year ago heading. I was at Edinburgh Castle inside the castle, watching Joe read to a group of uh, very, very lucky contest-winning schoolchildren from around the globe, and then at midnight, we got hands in our books by a Bloomsbury staffer, and then we ran flat out, just just booked it, haha, ha, no yeah. pun intended, <laughs> back, to, back to the hotel, and read throughout the night, had a little bit of a break, and then went right over to J.K. Rowling's. Home and interviewed her a year ago. How did you get better
3: security? <laughs> I told them I knew John Noe. <laughs> you need better. You're Be like, you know that guy Noe Lever talks to all the time? Oh man. This is her, yeah. one of the anyway.
2: It was a year ago today that, that I and, um, yeah. and Emerson of Melanette were sitting in Joe's office. I <laughs> can't even. <laughs> I sort of, I still can't believe it. I'm wearing the ring that she gave me and I'm just, I just looked down mm. at it and I, I just, I, I. I'm still a gog a year later, and I'm still mm-hmm. a gog. You know that was a great night. I mean, for me, I was online
4: and I got to actually talk to Melissa and John both of them. Sue,
2: so I talked to you six, sixteen times that <laughs> night because the leaking oh, was, was breaking. I was which, okay, I didn't know about Melissa Watch until after What's Melissa Watch what? was done. Leaky was breaking, so Leaky Sue calls me broke. in a panic. Sue calls me, hey, we can't get into the site, we can't, everybody's on the site, we can't get on we can't it. Even make we, a can't post. we can't even make a post. So I was like, look, look, ditch the whole posting system, ditch the whole site, just make one page, yeah. put it online. and that's it. Get the rest of the site offline, I don't care, just put an index up yes. there. So Sue and John create this page. And call it Melissa Watch.
3: Well what better name for a page about white I know, It's
2: awesome. I remember I remember taking pictures on the cell phone and sending know, you the pictures great. over the cell phone for like about four pounds mm-hmm. a second.
3: I know. <laughs> so expensive. I even whipped up a masterpiece graphic out of a clip art of a magnifying glass with your face underneath it. You, you tried did not to find Melissa.
2: How come I never even saw this
7: after hmm. the fact? It was no. like magic. Gee, I wonder it why. never archived. Yeah. Never <laughs> archived. could
3: find that in the Wayback Machine or some yeah. other means like of finding it. I would like, if
2: anybody's got a screengram mm-hmm. of Melissa Watch, I, don't I would think love to see it does. because If I... anybody
3: has it's going to be one of the darn muggle boys who would like to use it to tease us.
2: Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they haven't teased us about yeah. this before ever. Uh, no.
3: Yeah.
2: And I always just throw up my hands and say, look, talk to John Noe because I was not a part yeah. of that. well. <laughs>
3: It was an editorial decision, and that, that night there was. <laughs> what we had to do, man. One editorial short. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I shut off. I
2: ha- We had to shut off our phones yeah. and read.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't envy you for that. They're th- reading the book so fast. You, yeah. You ate that thing up like it, it was. You know, it's like you're drinking a fine wine and gulps. Yeah. Yeah, you're but in all honestly, s-
2: honestly, seriously, I think that's as, that's as fast as I would have read it anyway. It's as fast as I read book five because I, I read book book five was what, what like like a third bigger and I read it probably proportionally the same amount of time. So I think it's just this, the natural speed you fall into with one of these books where you just you gotta know you gotta know you gotta know what happened. But it was quite a night,
4: and I just think it's and that interview still to this day still is fascinating.
3: And <laughs> the stuff. Do you know of I
2: look I look back at that interview and 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 I am really happy with how it turned out. I there are interviews that I've done in my life that. You just you don't connect, or you know you get everything Mm -hmm. you sort of need to get, but it doesn't doesn't quite. That interview was. The way interviews should be Which is just chatting with an old friend And I don't say it to, to toot her horn I say it as like like, like, a, like a, a mark of like, God I can't believe we did yeah, that yeah, You know yeah. Because you're walking into Joe Rowling's office You're walking into the place where Harry Potter goes on right. Like the yeah. original How many people oh, I can't even think about it Oh it's so
4: wonderful yeah.
3: And
2: who knows though if you'll ever get
4: another chance again I mean just I don't oh, know goodness.
3: I know I already got the RSVP sent back <laughs>
4: And now here we are and now we're going to get you a chance to see her almost a year from now almost uh, a year later, later here in the United States it's just
3: dude she is wow. going to she's going to see me
2: anyway this year's, year this year is going to be great happy.
3: Yes, it's gonna be great.
2: It's gonna be. Oh wonderful. my goodness! <sighs> anyway, so
3: what about this this week's show? Oh guys? my goodness! It was awesome. Awesome. It was such a blast. One of the best 48s we've ever and done. And that interview, I mean, Melissa. My
4: goodness, he had some really <sighs> profound
2: you. things, and ooh, he really. Dude, I, I, I asked for this interview so many times, mm-hmm. <laughs> over and over. And as soon as I said, I've heard from somebody at Warner Brothers that that, that M. Night had this movie coming out and that, um, you know, it was fantasy, whatever. I said, well, well, we have to get him on podcast. And they were like, okay, yeah, 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 we'll see. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. We have to get him on podcast. Yeah. And they did. Good, good. Thank you, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers. Now,
4: this interview, there's just two words for me. Director, writer.
6: Thank you.
2: Yeah, director writer. He would be a director writer on the sixth or seventh mm-hmm. film. Which God, I'm I'm for yeah. do it. Bring it on, you know? baby. <laughs> but but if that's the case he can't do six. Oh, that's true. Which oh, we forget. Man. Because Stephen Clovis is coming back for business. <sighs> And having oh, done s- five of the six, well, I mean, I wish Stephen Clovis would say things like, "It's it's sacred. I would I would cherish yeah. it and, and say things say things like, I would take one or two things that aren't necessary and do them in a different way to make sure the same point came mm-hmm. across. You know, that's yeah, <laughs> that's." So I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I'm that I'm a total. Oh my God! Make M Night a director right. of Harry Potter. I don't know that I'm totally in that camp yet. But I think that he would certainly
3: treat J.K. Rowling's yeah. work with the reverence. Yeah, that, anybody who says that earns my respect. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody who's not going to change lines just to change them just so they can just be like I was the guy who wrote this movie. <laughs> right. And I did it better than J.K. Rowling. Yeah, except right. the opposite because I suck.
2: Just his all his all his. Did you hear yes. the cat? Is uh-huh. that why you're laughing? She's she's climbing Sorry. on my shoulders right now. I can't even. This is this is life in Pottercast from now on. I hope mm. you know because you know if I keep her, this is it, This is this is it. What do you what want? If you keep oh, she just kissed aw. me. She just kissed me. How could I not? She's name? a little
6: doll. Anyway,
2: so um, no, but just to to say things like how he would treat the magic as so vital and and the how how important the emotional things are to him I, I, god this is the director this is the kind of director we need on these last yes. vital books vital yeah you very know. very
3: vital <sighs> it's well, true we'll see. It's true
2: stories you know what's funny going into this interview that was not what we were going to talk yeah. about this interview was going to be all about mo- fantasy and modern literature mm-hmm. you know fantasy in film we were going to speak to him about fantasy and it wasn't really going to be about Harry Potter but then somebody asked him that question at that junket and yeah. boom you know it turned it turned into Harry Potter, so I'm somebody glad it was did.
3: Named Sue Upton. It went no. to the press junket. I wish, I wish, but it wasn't <laughs> to help push the interview.
2: Thank you to everyone who voted for us in the podcast awards. Yay! Thank you for nominations. being a fan. Yeah, thank you for being. Oh, somebody should do that, film Thank you for being a fan. Well, <laughs> <if> the nomin. <laughs> we appreciate it. The nominations are now closed. <laughs> Are and upset. so, what will happen? What will come? Will come. If we get nominated, we will start bothering you all over again to vote once a day so that we bother. win. And if our friends bother. at Mugglecast get nominated, then we will bother you to to bother, bother. to vote for them because we bother, think that bother. no matter what, a Potter a Potter podcast should should end up tops yeah. here. So bother, bother. So thank you for that. <laughs> and if you would like to hear John sing to Joe at Lumos all up to you to right as the, the top uh, podcast alley spot that's, right. that's um that's all up to you so hey if you want it you gotta go vote if you don't eh. i have one more thing to do and you gotta wait one second while I oh come vote. on joe oh stop 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 you'll see
3: i confess myself <laughs> disappointed Now, if you don't mind i'm going to bed Oh. You think I
2: was going to sing yeah. again, Someone's
3: huh? looking up the lyrics to the song
2: I don't know all the words, but I'm still proud of my home country Yay! Forza Italia! Okay, that's it
3: <laughs> We win!
2: <laughs> and there I sang Yay.
3: That- In honor, I think we should all eat some Joe <laughs> Fratelli, for, for those that d- don't know
4: Italia, They're talking about
2: the World Cup l- Soccer Italia, this Is correct? <laughs> it's a Quidditch World Cup <laughs> it is
3: Alright
2: Italy rules
3: we, <laughs> Italy Forza
2: Italia Okay, goodbye
3: That was one heck of a show Oh, and about time too.
1: Just go! You're wasting time Okay, I, I gotta say okay. bye
8: Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours.
1: Bye. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. Dobby
6: is
3: free! Wow. I could could do an (laughs) an interpretive dance as she's reading from the books. I could go up there, you know, like they have the people for the hard of hearing, or so instead of sign language, I could do it in interpretive dance. I can, I can bring my wand. It's it to be awesome.
2: It's the kill Sue portion of the show. It happens every week. I can just see him up there in some way, shape, or form. Please. It's, it's,
3: it's funny just how many words the swish and flick will uh, symbolize.